Good morning. If ever there was a season or a period of time when we need hope and encouragement, it's now, isn't it? I'm not talking about the weather, although I do worry about my son and Lizzie's son who's out doing Duke of Edinburgh this weekend. When God spoke to Paul, and Paul wrote these words to the Corinthian church, it was to encourage them, to build them up, to give them hope. Do not lose heart. I like running. I enjoy getting out into the countryside and running. And I was delighted a few weeks ago when my 19-year-old son, Josh, said, Dad, let's go for a run together. So I said, okay, let's do it. We were about 1K into our 10K run when I said, Joss, slow down. You might find this hard to believe, but I'm past my prime. I am outwardly wasting away. Believe it or not, I'm 50 next year. I know, it's hard to imagine. I was born at a very early age, so that explains. Don't worry. So here's a question. When is the prime of your life? Or rather, looking around here, when was the prime of your life? If you haven't reached it yet, then very, very soon you will be joining us on the long downward conveyor belt southwards. And if you look at photos of your younger self where, in my case, I had hair, or I was running faster split times, for others, it was when you could last see your feet when you were standing vertically. It's easy to lose heart, is it not? We humans, we spend so much time and energy and effort and money chasing this desire to stay in our prime. We're trying to counter the inevitableness of time and aging. But you know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that your effort is ultimately futile. You can have as many lifts and tucks as you want. Your body is still wasting away. Hang on, Matt, I thought you said this was going to be an encouraging sermon. I haven't got there yet. So outwardly, we are wasting away, but inwardly, we are being renewed. You see, we're not just flesh and bones. We are spiritual beings as well. Parts of us that are not temporary, but are eternal. And we are being changed day by day, bit by bit, to become more like Christ. And as the day approaches, we will meet him face to face one day. Indeed, if we're followers of Jesus, the prime of our life, the spiritual prime of our life, is something we're still heading towards. We haven't got there yet. We're not yet going to even begin it until we're called to our eternal home. We peak when we're made perfect, and that's not yet. It might be soon, but it's not yet. And whilst we journey towards the start, there will be trouble ahead. I feel like going to where there's moonlight and music and love and romance, but I, I won't go there. There will be trouble ahead. Now, according to Paul in verse 17, these are light and momentary troubles. They are not significant nor long-lasting. A bit of context here, please. Paul 
the Apostle Paul, you can wind forward seven chapters to chapter 11 in 2 Corinthians, says this about his life. He has spent years in prison, many of those in solitary confinement. He has been beaten with rods. He has had the 39 lashes five times. He has been stoned. He has been shipwrecked three times. He has been severely hungry. He has been cold and thirsty and naked. He's had his life threatened by bandits, by his own countrymen, by foreigners, by false prophets. And yet, he says, light and momentary. Is he mad? Is he delirious? No, not at all. Paul has got a different perspective. He's looking at his and our temporary earthly life from the perspective of and comparing with eternity and glory. You see, when contrasted with eternal glory, our difficulties, whatever they are, and I know a lot of people are in big difficulties now, however hard they seem, however long they seem to go on for, they diminish in both length and severity to be comparatively actually very light and momentary. Now, I think it's important to realize that when the world looks at trouble or suffering, it's different to our understanding as Christians. You see, for the world view, suffering takes away from a meaningful life. Because you've only got a finite life, so if you're suffering for part of it or most of it or all of it, you've taken away from that meaning of getting the most out of life. The world deals with it by trying to cancel it, by trying to rid itself of it. That's why the hashtag cancel2020 went so viral so quickly. Whereas the Bible teaches us that suffering, our light and momentary troubles, which go hand in hand with a broken world full of imperfect people, is actually purposeful and meaningful. Paul explains it when he writes uh, to the Roman church. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, he says this, but we rejoice in our sufferings. He doesn't say we rejoice because of our sufferings. He's not a masochist. We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering brings perseverance. And perseverance brings character. And character brings hope. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, for Paul, the hope of eternal glory when he dies is what keeps him from losing hope now. And so when we weigh on a scale, when we contrast and compare, any suffering in this life is far, far, far outweighed by the glory of eternal life to come. Amen? Amen. So how do we get this perspective in life? How can we have this view, this attitude that Paul proclaims? We read the next verse. That's how you get it. Verse 18. Here's the instruction. Don't fix your eyes. Don't focus. Don't concentrate on earthly things. Because they're not going to last. They are transient. 
No, instead, invest in, focus your eyes, fix your eyes on what is eternal. Now, you might find, if uh, you're chatting to your friends about this, that they challenge you for fixing your eyes on things that are unseen. Why? Because some people hold the view that if you can't see it, touch it, hear it, taste it, or smell it, it's not, somehow not real. But if you think about that viewpoint, it's pretty weak. Because where does that leave feelings of love or hate? Very real, but unseen. That viewpoint is counter to what scientists believe. If you're a cosmologist and you're studying the universe, you will see the way the universe works cannot be explained by everything you can see. This is true. In fact, they believe that 85% of the matter of the universe is unseen. It's called dark matter. You can look it up on Wikipedia if you don't believe me. So there's nothing foolish about focusing on what cannot be unseen on what is eternal because this life is most definitely finite. Paul moves on in verse 1 of chapter 5 and he continues to contrast between earth and eternity. Verse 1 says this, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Now, I'm a bit partial to camping. I love being in a tent, lying in my sleeping bag, listening to the raindrops on the roof. Um, although I think my tent would probably leak in this kind of weather. But there gets a point in one's camping expedition where you long to have a solid roof back over your head. And Paul considers our earthly bodies as tents, as temporary structures that are wasting away. Well, they are, aren't they? And he says he knows, and I hope we know, I hope you know, that when our earthly bodies fail, we have an eternal body that will replace it. Now, Plato and other Greek philosophers felt that the, the bodiless spirit was the highest form of existence. They considered this kind of physical body to be a prison for your soul. And I've come across Christians who've got different views on the role of the body in eternity. But let me say this. To God, the body is not a negative. The problem we have is not the body itself. It's the sin-corrupted fallen bodies in which we live. In fact, when God made Adam and Eve, they were perfect and they were in physical bodies. And Jesus himself approve the essential goodness of the body by becoming a human. If there had been something inherently evil about the body, Jesus could never have added humanity to his deity. Our future bodies, we're told, are not made with human hands. They're made by God to suit the environment of eternity. We haven't got time uh, this morning to go into what the Bible promises about the new heaven and the new earth, but I just want to talk a little bit about these resurrected bodies. To be honest, no one knows exactly what they're going to be like, but we have a little glimpse. We have a little glimpse when the gospel narrators talk about Jesus after his resurrection. You see, the stuff there that we get, 
Jesus was physical. They recognized him. He cooked a meal for them. He ate fish with them. He said to Thomas, come and touch the scars in my body. We get that. And yet there's elements of this description that we don't get. How he appeared to hundreds of people at the same time. How he disappeared after speaking to the guys on the road to Emmaus. How he appeared to the disciples when they were in a room with a locked door. So he's showing us that this resurrected body is this mysterious blend of physical and spiritual. I don't get it, but I'm looking forward to it. Paul goes on in verses 2 onwards, expressing his desire to be away from this earthly body and in his eternal body. He spends several verses groaning. I love it. Groaning with this desire to be away from this earthly body. How about you? Are you guys groaning to be away? Do you find the limitations of this body and the superiority of the body to come make you groan? I don't think we generally do. I don't. Maybe it's because we or I are, are so comfortable on earth. So we need to challenge ourselves not to invest in things that are temporary, in things that are seen. Where are we fixing our eyes? Where moth and rust destroy? Where thieves break in and steal? We had a thief break in and steal a few weeks ago at our house. They broke into our garage and stole a rather nice bike. It was a horrible feeling. But at the end of the day, it was just a bit of steel, carbon fiber, and plastic. How crazy it would be for us to make it an ambition to invest in what is temporary. But of course, it's not always easy to have comfort in this promise that we have in Christ of this eternal body, of this eternal destiny. And that is why. God has given us a guarantee, a deposit, a surety. We read it in verse 5. God has given us his Holy Spirit. He's backed up his promise of eternal life with a down payment now. And so we can be rightly confident. Based on this guarantee of the Holy Spirit of our eternal destiny. Because of Christ, because of Christ only, when we die, we will leave these temporary earthly shells and be clothed with resurrected bodies and at home with the Lord. Let me summarize. You know, sometimes when life is hard, as I know it is for many of us, or when things go wrong, we're surprised. Like, why is it so difficult? Why is it so painful? Why is it so sad? Friends, why are we surprised? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't be surprised. 
But have you also noticed that when we're in trouble or in times of trouble, we give or receive the following sort of encouragement? It'll get better. You'll get better. Your relationships, they'll, they'll be restored. Your financial worries, they'll be overcome. And of course, we rejoice in those times when people are healed, when relationships are restored, when financial worries are overcome. But so often when we encourage one another with these fleshly promises and desires, we forget the fact that actually, do you know, it might not get better. You might not get better. Your relationship might not be restored. Your financial worries might never end. You see, friends, everything, everyone is aching and groaning because God's perfect design has been disrupted, distorted, and corrupted by us sinful people. And there will be trouble, there will be pain, there will be sorrow, there will be suffering, and some of us will suffer more than others. That's the truth. But we don't need to lose heart. We don't need to lose heart. Thanks to God and his rescue plan in Jesus, even though this tent-like earthly body that we are habiting in now is wasting away, they will be replaced by resurrected bodies designed for eternity and glory. So be encouraged this morning. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever situation you're in now or you find yourself in in the future. Whatever troubles or anxiety or pain or suffering that you are facing or will face, these are but light and momentary when compared to the eternal glory with God that awaits those of us who follow Jesus. Amen.